Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, I'm thrilled to have a conversation with a longtime colleague, Ralph Barcy. Ralph is the VP of Global Inside Sales at Trey.io. If you haven't heard of Trey, they are a general automation platform that integrates all the components of your tech stack. They are actually one of SalesLoft's partners for people who want to do more interesting and exotic integrations. Really, really glad to have you guys as a partner. Ralph, I want to get to know you a little better. So I'm going to ask you the question I ask everyone, which is, what is your favorite sales book of all time? And what's one or two of the key things that you learned from it? Favorite book, probably more than sales book, is Wooden on Leadership. Wooden is the namesake of the late coach John Wooden, who coached the UCLA Bruins basketball team in the 70s. Quite the track record in leading winning teams and organizations. And so many rules in that book and principles transfer to what we do every day with respect to sales and sales development. Uh, A couple takeaways per your question. One is there's a great quote in there that talks about activity to produce real results. It's got to be meticulously planned and structured. Otherwise, it's like a bunch of kids playing on the playground at recess. I think that's a huge principle to keep in mind when you're building and leading organizations. A second takeaway that I hold dear to my heart is uh, Coach Wooden's approach to all of his players in order to get optimal performance from each of them. You know, he wouldn't have them look at the scoreboard. He knew that if he had their commitment to give him and the team their best, that they didn't have to look at the scoreboard. He did a lot of his coaching and teaching with love as the intent I just resonate big time with that and try to carry that into how I lead and coach as well. You've had quite a storied career starting out, I think at UPS as an AE, Ticketmaster and you know, on and on and on. I'd love you to reflect for a moment on the first thing that you ever remember selling in your life. Ooh, uh, it was newspapers. I was a paper boy in Pacifica, California, where I grew up. You had to, you know, of course, deliver papers on your bicycle through the neighborhood, but You also had to collect the check at the end of every month for their newspaper subscription. And people buy from people they like, as you know. And so, you know, every interaction when you're knocking on the front door and somebody's coming downstairs from, you know, upstairs in the kitchen, for example, to, you know, talk with you about the newspaper subscription. If you're positive, if you have a great attitude, if you're asking them how their night is, if you're mindful of, you know, the fact that you're interrupting them in their quiet time, possibly, It goes a long way. You know, you're going to get paid a lot faster and get real-time face-to-face feedback on your service. You know, for example, when you're 11 years old delivering papers, you know, are you throwing the newspaper right on the sidewalk there or are you actually walking it up to their front doorstep so it's easier for them to grab? You know, little stuff like that is really important. I use it to this day, you know, 40 plus years later. All right. Well, now we'll get to what I promised, which is we'll get into Barcy's rules for effectiveness as a sales professional. You rattled off a few to me when we were you know, prepping for this and just over the time we've talked in the past. Maybe an interesting one to start with is some of your ideas for how to communicate like a boss. I love how you describe that. Here's the disclaimer, Jeremy. And you know this. It's not Barcy's rules. These are, if anything, Barcy's observations and insights based on the companies I've worked for and the people I've worked with. There's a lot of patterns that I recognize and have recognized throughout my career that define what 
I have seen as an effective rep and what have helped me be an effective rep and an effective leader of teams. You know, it starts with there are five barriers that I continue to see. And then from those five barriers, we could talk about, you know, components like communicating like a boss to overcome them. So I'll start with that. The five barriers are number one, most salespeople and sales development people are obscure. They're obscure to the marketplace. People don't know who they are. They'll get an email or phone call from them and they are essentially strangers trying to correspond. And unless those salespeople do their best to brand themselves in the marketplace as people of value and contributors of value, it's going to be an uphill climb trying to connect and engage with the prospective marketplace. The second is they lack focus. You know, there's so many things hitting us from all different angles that it's really tough to kind of hone in on what matters most, what is urgent and important, and what to do first, second, third. That requires focus. Third is inactivity. You and I were just talking about it. You want to, you know, have the box of blank thank you cards on your desk, but you're not sending the thank you cards. So there's that lack of activity. What we're saying we're going to do and what we do have to relate That's the third barrier. Fourth is no conversation flow. As you know, so many salespeople, sales development reps, they've got 10, 12, 15 browser windows open on a daily basis trying to learn as much as they can about a specific company or contact. And then once they get that contact on the phone, they fumble all over their words. They don't have an articulate narrative. They don't have uh, compelling conversation starters just to establish flow of conversation. And then the last is just failure to keep improving. You know, you and I, we're talking about books that we love, books that we haven't read, books that we've read, and big takeaways that we've taken from those books. We're constantly wearing the student's cap, and we're constantly trying to learn so that we can give back to the marketplace. So I think understanding those barriers are common, but they're also self-imposed, and you can certainly overcome them if you focus your efforts on them, overcoming those barriers. I'd love for you to maybe describe somebody that you've worked with who was exceptional at managing conversation flow and what it was about them. What did they do? You know, some of the traits that they've illustrated include, they try to find common ground as fast as possible. And that comes from asking open-ended questions versus yes-no questions. You know, the yes-no questions are certainly asked. Don't get me wrong, but they're precious. You know, you can only use them sparingly because they're powerful. So conversation starters would include, you know, where did you grow up? Uh, Where are you from? Uh, If you're calling into Cleveland, Ohio, for example, maybe you're asking about how the Cavs are going to do this season or if they even follow the Browns or the Indians. And that's usually a good common place to start, maybe a local sports team or we looked at LinkedIn profiles and we see where people worked. You mentioned UPS, you know, they're based in Atlanta, which is where Sales Loft is, of course. So those are some quick common traits that I could use if I'm trying to strike a conversation up with a Kyle Porter or other leaders in the Atlanta area. So uh, I've seen that done over and over again. Uh, there's also just a kind of a calmness in the disposition of the effective reps I've seen. You know, they do less talking than I'm doing right now, for example. They'll really listen and uh, it won't be awkward listening. It'll be active listening. So once you say something, Jeremy, I'm not kind of just staring at you or listening for an extra long time. I'm just, there's a 
subtle pause like that. And uh, I'm mindful of the inflections in my voice and in the tone of our conversation in order to establish that flow. Lastly is, you know, mirroring and matching. If you're coming at me like this, Hey, what's going on, Ralph? I'm going to equally match. I'm like, Hey, Jeremy, what's going on with you? How are you doing today? Thanks so much for having me. And if it's the opposite, I'll tone down a little bit just so we can get into a groove or a rhythm. You know, you talked about open-ended and closed-ended questions. I remember reading somewhere, you kind of start out with a gentle closed-ended question or a couple of gentle closed-ended questions that generally can, you know, get a yes. I guess it's a priming technique, whether that actually works or not. I don't, I don't know what the psychology actually says on that. And then you can sort of expand it with the open-ended questions. And I, I do tend to do that a bit. Good. Yeah, I mean, if it works for you, and I mean this sincerely, then by all means, keep employing that approach. You know, there's different flavors and nuances and tweaks to conversation. You know, if you have a genuine interest and you're truly being your authentic self and you are focusing on them, not you, those questions will come out naturally. And humans have finely tuned BS meters and they will catch on very quickly that you mean what you're saying and that you are coming with positive intent. Don't be in your head talking to yourself about, okay, then I'm going to ask this, then I'm going to ask that. And I wonder if he or she will respond if I do this, because you'll trip up on your words. You won't have that conversation flow we talked about, and you'll kind of be found out pretty quickly. I want to move on to one of your other barriers that you see and observations that you've had is that most reps, AEs, SDRs, sales professionals in general are obscure to the marketplace. Did you mean the company or the individual or both? Depends. If you're an individual calling into a company, it still comes down to the human that's talking with them about a certain offering. Especially in the sales development role, those on the front line who are responsible for a lot of prospecting and a lot of inbound lead qualification, it's really, really challenging to get people not just on the phone, but to correspond with you you know, to create that two-way street of communication. And it's much easier if you can warm up that experience by maybe finding a mutual connection, someone in your network that knows somebody in that prospect's company or knows the prospect themselves. That's one way to warm up the call and drive up the probability of that prospect calling or emailing you back. Secondly is, we talked about it earlier, communicating like a boss. So maybe you're putting your ask up front in your email. Maybe your email is three to five sentences long. If it's not, and it's much more you know, being read like a dissertation, maybe there's a lot of effort that goes into that longer email to make it hyper-personalized or hyper-customized to that prospect or the prospect's company, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a lot of lengths you can go to remove obscurity from the picture. So it's really not a barrier and people kind of learn about you or can learn about you before they reply and engage. I'd love your opinion about whether reps or even particularly SDRs, I guess, should try to build their brand on LinkedIn or build their brand in social media. What's your take on that? Depends. I mean, for some personalities out there, that's just such a great venue for them to get known. And some really relish at the opportunity to do that. The first person that comes to mind when I talk about this is Morgan Ingram. He actually responded to a challenge I posed in an article about obscurity 
It was a sales hacker article I published back in 2015. I just said, hey, look, I'm not seeing any SDRs out there kind of creating their own YouTube channel to talk about the day-to-day grind of sales development work. You know, is it you? Are you the next person? And he rose to the occasion and created the SDR Chronicles, went on to earn a promotion in leading the sales development team that he was once part of, and then you know, ultimately started working with John Barrows. So that's one example of the extreme where someone really took the challenge of building their brand. But then there are others who that's not the way they roll. And so the best way to do that is to build your brand internally. So you've got champions at your company who believe in the value you're putting into the marketplace. And then just really focus on that marketplace. Make sure that you're the one who's sending the most insightful emails, for example, or leaving voicemails or having phone conversations that are actionable for the prospect. You know, like I said earlier, you're connecting dots for them. You're putting the ask up front. You're not leading them down to the bottom of your email where you ask like everyone else does for that 15 or 20 minute phone call. And then when you get the prospects on the phone, you actually don't sound like an SDR. You sound like a trusted advisor, a professional who's at the tip of the spear And it's going to delight the prospect from the outset and show them the way towards building a long-lasting relationship with their company. To that point, do you expect the SDRs that you lead to actually be subject matter experts or people who can really advise prospects when they get on the phone? I do, but the caveat is, is I do to a high-level degree. I'm a huge proponent of all sales development reps being certified, whether it's level 100 or level 200 in their product line, in the marketplace, in the major problems that the product line resolves for customers, in use cases and case studies, so that they can really walk the talk when they have prospects on the phone. Even though a lot of people will break out or tier their prospects, tier one are the most precious, tier two are ones we'd like to have, tier three are like, let's fall on our face a little bit. I think if you instead treat them all like tier ones and speak to them like that, you'd be really surprised that some of those tier threes that you have labeled today are prime logos that can influence the trajectory of your company for the better. What's your best tip for AEs to improve their focus? Well, I always use an analogy that I heard long ago from Tony Robbins, and it's that you know, you're not thinking about your left earlobe until right now, and it's simply because I mentioned it. Also, another analogy is, you know, you might want to buy a red BMW next month. And once you decide that you want to buy that red BMW, suddenly you start seeing that model all over the freeway. It's everywhere because your brain's focused on it. The same applies to your day-to-day work. You know, if you make the decision that you want to be the best rep in your organization or in the industry and you get hyper-focused on it, you will start to act as if you are already the best and you will start doing what the best in your mind would do. And it's going to move the needle one way or the other, but it's going to be a progressive direction. So that's what I talk about when I talk about focus. It usually segues into that other barrier, which is the lack of activity. Because yeah, it's one thing to be focused. I could be sitting on my couch at home, hyper-focused, but I've not yet taken any action. And that's where the second barrier has to get broken down. Awesome. So you hit two and one there. And then the last one was basically being a constant student. I don't think you can fake your way into that in in that. I mean, a lot of people will ask me for book recommendations and never read the books. 
for me, I think it is all about if you're going to make the time to learn, you know, you, you need to get rid of something <laughs> that is eating time for me. That's television. I don't watch television. And then I, I think the other thing, which has been pretty well proven is like, you have to have a goal and the goal can be learning for its own sake, which is true for many people, or the goal could be something else. Maybe it's being the best performing rep. Like you need basically time plus a goal. Yeah. To your point, people ask me for book recommendations all the time. They don't read them, or at least they don't follow up and follow through on what they originally asked me. So a month goes by, two months goes by. Hey, Ralph, thanks again for that killer book recommendation. I gutted that book, read it cover to cover, took great notes. Here were my top five takeaways. Can't thank you enough. Any more you want to suggest? That goes a long way when you actually follow through on it. Make the time for learning. You literally have to block it out on your calendar and make time for learning. And then once you do that, you have to know how to learn. So I would point listeners to people like Josh Waitskin. Josh wrote the book, I believe it's called The Art of Learning, or Scott Young just published a book called Ultra Learning. The two of them break down approaches to actually learning new material, retaining new material, applying new material, and doing it expeditiously. So you can just, we don't have a lot of time on this planet and you want to gobble up, especially the stuff that you want to get really good at. And so they teach you the processes and approaches to getting the best out of your learning experience. If people want to learn you know, more from you, get in touch with you, learn about trade.io, what's the best way for them to do that? LinkedIn is probably a great way. It's simply LinkedIn forward slash and my first and last name, Ralph Barcy. You can also subscribe to my blog, which is ralphbarcy.com. And I would point you towards the show your work page that highlights all the podcasts and presentations that I've contributed to the marketplace over the years. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.